and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Better Together, a healthcare podcast from the Nepean Blue Mountains region in New South Wales, Australia, where we discuss ways in which patients and healthcare consumers are collaborating with healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, our health professionals and administrative staff to help improve the health system and get better outcomes for patients in hospital and in the community. We're recording our podcast here at Nepean Hospital, which operates on the traditional lands of the Darug, Ngara and Waratri peoples. My name is Matt Roger and I'm an active consumer representative across the Nepean Blue Mountains local health district. And as a person living with the challenges of a disability, I'm passionate about safe, high quality healthcare that is never compromised for all consumers. The Nepean Blue Mountains local health district has some fascinating culturally and linguistically diverse demographics. I'm going to refer to this population as cold, C-A-L-D, during the podcast. The 2021 Australian Census reported that around 20% of the district's population of 384,000 people were born overseas, with an expected increase in that population by around 12% by 2036. The district is home to peoples from 168 countries of birth who speak 135 languages. And with our ongoing global issues uh, that we see reported in the media often, it's influencing a growing settlement of refugees in the district as well. Australian Bureau of Statistics surveys indicate that health literacy is lower in cold populations. And in turn, this low level of health literacy may result in lower engagement with healthcare service levels, or healthcare services, sorry, and poorer health outcomes when compared to non-cold individuals. Having an equitable health system that supports culturally and linguistically diverse healthcare needs is an important consideration in service planning, service delivery and policy development. We're fortunate to be joined today by Nepean Hospital-based manager of the Multicultural Health Service, Gordana Kostanovska, and Una Turalik, Senior Cross-Cultural Development Officer in Gordana's team. Thank you, ladies, for joining me in the studio here today. Pleasure, Matt. And I think it's probably best if you could first tell to me a bit about yourselves and, and your roles in consumer engagement across the district? Yeah. Uh, my family migrated in the 70s from the Republic of uh, Macedonia, what then used to be uh, Yugoslavia. Um, and uh, so I was a, a teenager and my career work has really predominantly been in this space, in social justice and, and multicultural issues. So the role of our service is really to improve the capacity of our local health district to identify and meet the specific needs, um, cultural, religious and language needs of the population. We have high diversity, as you mentioned, and a lot of isolation in um, uh, of communities in our district uh, because the communities are scattered over a large geographical um, area. So, and as you mentioned, uh, we are home to a significant refugee, um, an asylum seeker uh, population who come with obviously, a, uh, it's a population with complex uh, health 
social and medical needs. And we as a, as a district have a, a responsibility, obviously, to, um, to provide the best services possible. We have uh, populations in recent years that have been settling in our district coming from countries like Afghanistan, following you know turmoil in Afghanistan in the last few years, Iraq, Syria, uh, Tibet, Iran, uh, just most recently Ukrainians are also settling in our area, and uh, of course some uh, a few African continent um, countries. Um, if we, in terms of uh, uh, consumer engagement, um, of course a lot of our work. Um, is about interaction uh, with consumers and uh, and also interaction with with our health professionals and and being able to be kind of the the go between the mediators. Um, consumer engagement intersects with patient centered care, and in my mind, they are mutually grounded in trust, a respect, shared knowledge, and a positive relationship between patients, carers, and and, and health professionals. Um, However, there are challenges to effective CALD um, engagement. Um, and I think we're going to get into some of those challenges in yes. a little while as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I certainly see, I mean, if you walk around the streets of, of mm. Penrith, which is one of the, the major areas of, of the district, just the reflection of that multicultural nature mm. is in the restaurants and the places yes. you want to go mm. and have a look at. Mm. Um, and I think it's a fantastic way that we can celebrate yeah. that diversity yeah. in as yeah. well. Well, let me give you some examples of how we as the Multicultural Health Service um, engage uh, with communities. Um, uh, we certainly uh, look at identifying uh, gaps that, that exist um, in terms of um, uh, the services and the, the particular needs. Um, we, uh, Una, Una is our um, principal trainer in the district, so we try and involve consumers um, to help us with train developing developing training uh, modules and also invite them to co-present. Uh, as a way of obviously um, making sure that our health professionals are aware, more intimately aware uh, about our consumers, our communities, and the the particular input and challenges that they that they face. From your perspective, how are families and patients mm-hmm. involved in shared decision making for cold patients across the district in relation to healthcare delivery? Okay, so shared decision-making is a culturally foreign concept for majority of cult patients and carers. The concept itself is great, however, very confusing as many of culturally and musculoskeletal diverse patients, especially those born overseas like myself, are used to healthcare providers leading the process and relying on their advice. So if I am, for example, or, or my parents or family members are asked, what do they think? we would think that we need a new doctor or specialist because they're asking us what to do or what we think. So it's there's that a bit of lack of understanding of the concept and being culturally appropriate. However, it is re- relevant in some situations, for example, in mental health, palliative care and birthing units, as in these, it is providing different options that, and that can be culturally appropriate and might help both sides with understanding of the expectations to achieve the best outcomes that are culturally 
sensitive, appropriate, responsive. Um, as mentioned earlier, it does apply in some instances, and it depends on the patient carer's understanding of the concept and what it really means. And feeling comfortable or trusting to engage in the process where they are both sides are discussing this. Mm-hmm. So I, I do prefer teach back technique to the shared decision making, because that way the health professional is sort of checking in when it comes to understanding, as well as um, maybe calling the options, different pathways to your care might be more sort of understood, mm-hmm. and better understood within okay. the cult population, because otherwise we will change the health professional. Sure. Because they're ones who studied, not us. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, Gudana, given what Ernest just said there, yeah. how does that influence the health, multicultural health services planning and policy development across the district? Mm. Look, one of the one of the ways that we have uh, recently um, kind of moved uh, our direction into working is kind of a much more higher and strategic level, and that has included um, uh, us going down the path of um, working with our particular identified health services to develop. Um, to assist them in developing a local implementation plan, CALD implementation plan for their service. So this is about kind of like um, uh, putting the focus on on the service and and saying, you know, we've we've been saying for many years multicultural health should be everybody's business, not just our team. I mean, we are a small team, so we can't obviously um, uh, be able to deliver on everything. So it is it is the services themselves that also obviously need to have a plan in place and um, how they can build capacity and uh, awareness and knowledge and how they can meet the specific needs of um, of cald communities so we've um, we've begun that process of um, multicultural uh, sorry implementation plans um, now the the other thing that we've m- more recently done is to register cultural safety risk which is um which is another way of, of flagging um, for our services who obviously provide care um, to cald communities to be able to um, understand that uh, there is a risk if and, and, and consequences, but we've also introduced um, controls um, and support structures for our services. Um, they can access uh, so that they can, on a continual basis, be able to build their capacity um, and uh, and address some of those uh, some of those risks. We we have a, a framework for us is is um, a high level uh, committee is uh, a multicultural health governance committee, um, uh, which recently we um, um, changed the uh, the terms of reference to give it a, a much higher. Um, I guess um, uh, purpose um, in that um, uh, we are the purpose of this committee is, is really to look at identify risks um, and be able to um, collaboratively at the kind of at the higher level in our district uh, identify strategies to address to address those risks. Mm-hmm. 
often you, you've talked about um, the, the 300 languages in Australia and 160 odd languages, mm -hmm. uh, 135 languages, sorry, yeah. in, in our district. So access to an interpreter when, you're, when it's required, I understand it's provided to patients at no cost in our district. Mm -hmm. But how has the use of video interpreters changed the game for equitable healthcare delivery to cold patients in the district? So the interpreters are provided with no cost to patients, not because we're so lovely, but it's because the patients and carers do not need interpreters. We're the ones who need them to do our job and assessment. And I think we've sort of flipped it in the training. We need to book interpreters for us to do our jobs, not to do the errors and mistakes, not the patient and the carer because they speak a language. It's about us understanding and ensuring that we're providing appropriate care. Hence, no cost to them and maybe some cost to us. Okay. Thank you, Una, for that. Yeah, emphasizing that okay. because really we've needed to flip that um, uh, around to impress upon mm -hmm. our staff that they, it is up to them. To, they need the interpreters <laughs> to do their job properly, absolutely. But, you know, to, to go back to um, the um, your, your uh, comment and your question around video interpreters, um, yes, that has definitely changed the game. Um, we, have in, we have over 40 services now in our district that actually use video interpreters. Mm. Um, it is a much more accessible service and it's certainly a lot um, in terms of cost efficiency. It is by far, mm. um, you know, a better a better option. So we certainly continue, hope to continue in that vein and, uh, and continue to get onboarded a lot more services in our district. That all sounds fantastic and, and cold patient and family engagement is a really significant and comprehensive goal, but it's not simple to achieve. So what, what do you see you know, to be some of the challenges and barriers to meaningful consumer engagement in the cold population across the industry? Some of the barriers are limited English, work commitments, family commitments, um, cultural differences and I think they are stronger at times than not, not speaking English so they're more important in some instances and for some being an active health consumer is a foreign concept as well what have I got to contribute why asking me is it a tick box because some of the health consumers we're under impression when we did sort of um, ask them to sit on some of the committees. Am I just here to sort of sit so you tick a box? They didn't know that they had a right to speak up. Um, and we are continuously seeking consumers who can join on the Pimple Mountains LHD consumers yeah. steering committees like yourself and be active. So we're sort of getting there. But some of these, as I mentioned earlier, are foreign concepts. How much can you say? Because our consumers, cult consumers, don't like to complain either. They would rather sort of talk within the community, this hospital so bad. Or, you know, someone has one bad experience, hence we had increase in birth in the PM because one of our neighbouring districts said no to providing a female doctor. So they all started having babies at Nepean because Nepean said yes. So, yeah, so we, we do have a lot to learn and a long way to go, but we're sort of getting there. To become yeah. like you. Yeah, I guess the feeling there is an Australian standard, uh, standard number two partner yeah. for consumers. Mm. And I guess in, in my 
consumer representative travels, I, I've heard a bit about that. I would just hit a ticker box. Yeah. But from my experience, and this is where I'd like to encourage people from uh, called backgrounds to, to get involved, um, is that we are working much more collaboratively with uh, clinicians and services um, to provide uh, constructive feedback mm -hmm. and, more importantly, lived experience feedback mm -hmm. that you can't get from a textbook. Um, and this is why, and as, as a result, the, the interactions that we have become much more positive. But I understand that the challenges might be there. If you were to give three key messages to someone who is considering becoming a consumer representative in our district, what would they be? I think mm. get involved to, to improve health for others, um, speak up. And, you know, if something has gone the wrong way, so it doesn't happen again, and encourage your community to be participating actively because this is our home now. Good yes, and, and uh, uh, providing not on, I mean, speaking up, providing uh, positive feedback, but definitely providing uh, feedback that can, could potentially improve uh, our service uh, provision. Uh, so complaints and, and compliments. You know both, uh, because if we don't, if we don't hear, if we don't get that feedback, um, how are we going to improve um, the services? Um, uh, and not to be, uh, not to be fearful, um, uh, and uh, and seek support. So, for example, our team would be um, a point of support for CALD um, consumers, potential consumers, um, where we could provide uh, a bit of a framework and an understanding um, and can provide training um, uh, more on, on an ongoing basis and uh, empower these uh, individuals in our community who have a voice, uh, who, as you say, uh, based on their own personal experience, who can provide meaningful um, information, feedback that can be very, very useful. Mm -hmm. mm. This might be a, a sticky one, but how do you see doctors and other healthcare workers can better engage with cold patients and families in service planning and policy development? Use of interpreters is critical, and we have still a long way to go uh, in terms of providing interpreters at every juncture in the patient journey that is critical. So, you know, in your assessment stage, at, um, you know, medication, um, discharge planning, um, all of those are, are very, very critical. Um, family conferences. Um, we, you know, providing assessments uh, in a holistic manner using um, cultural assessment tools that are available. Um, we certainly make a point of uh, uh, providing that information in all the training sessions that we do about the existence of such cultural assessment tools that will make a that will make a difference. Um, involving involving consumers in our training, uh, I think that's uh, that's that's another another important way. Um, bilingual professionals. Um, that, that is a resource and an asset 
that we have and we have to, I, I guess, do that maybe a little bit more better and um, well, a little bit better and more structured. Um, and what I mean by that is um, bilingual health professionals should not be used as interpreters. However, the policy says that they can provide one-on-one service to the patient in the patient's language if they speak that language. Now, that goes a long way to really uh, to make the patient feel safe, to create a rapport and trust. Um, and, uh, you know, there could be a process of matching a bilingual health professional with the patient for, of that mm-hmm. same language. Um, and I don't think we, don't, we do that um, or well enough. So we we could be we could be doing that. Um, yeah, speak, I think we do have a very diverse workforce because mm. I do provide training, especially our doctors, nurses, so many assets there, mm. and providing care in a language of the patient. It's better than even using interpreters. And also checking, for example, if a service, let's say palliative care service, is seeing patients from Maltese background or Greek background to sort of think about employing a nurse that speaks the language. The other obvious thing is that, uh, you know, because of the um, the low health literacy and, and poor English uh, proficiency, providing information to our patients and families in their own language is, is really critical. There are, there are so many uh, resources that are translated and available on a, you know, statewide portal, the Multicultural Health Communication Service that, that can, uh, can be used, but also, um, you know, we we certainly encourage the services that we work with. If there is any particular, you know, uh, important information that needs to be provided uh, to um, uh, to patients, um, to consider translating. If if a, such a translation is not available, for them to consider translating. So um, uh, that that's really critical. That's part of part of, uh, you know, that communication um, and uh, making sure that the patient is aware of their condition, of their uh, treatment and any follow-up um, instructions, um, medication use, that kind of thing. So that's that's really critical. Yeah. And okay. I just add one, one more thing, what's sort of very special in our district, we, that we do have a lot of families that are mixed. For example, if a patient is, let's say, of a Croatian background and, you know, they came from there, they've gone through the age where they've forgotten the English, their kids and grandkids don't speak or speak hardly Croatian, yet the carer might be a, a daughter-in-law of a Greek background, which is very not very unusual. So we need to ensure that we're speaking to the patient through the interpreters rather just than involving carer because it's too hard or patients are of certain age whereby sometimes they're not even involved in that care because it's too much, you know, they might have mild dementia as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to ensure whoever is caring for the patient can actually understand the patient themselves because we've come across that in, in mm-hmm. our district as well. Mm-hmm. Of course. And you've mentioned through the conversation that there are things missing. Yeah. But where to next to strengthen consumer engagement. Mm. Because this is the challenge that we experience as well. In, yes, in, yes, you know, yes. For a non-cold background. Yeah. Yes. Um, 
to make sure that people have a, mm. a really key interest in driving their own healthcare journey. So where's your next for the cold community? Um, uh, look, Matt, um, you are part of a recently established uh, multicultural consumer reference group, uh, which you chair with uh, with uh, Vanita from our team. Um, I guess uh, that's a very kind of innovative, uh, creative way of, of going about this, um, and that is recognising that um, uh, yes, we don't have an abundance of consumers in our district, cald consumers who can contribute. However, we have consumers who are interested in this portfolio area and interested to learn, be made aware, and also to actually advocate on behalf of cald communities at whatever other um uh, representation on committees that they that they have like your like yourself so we we appreciate that um someone like yourself is uh, is keen to learn um and to be a voice uh, for for multicultural communities at the very many um, avenues and forums that uh, that you attend. So this reference group is really about um, uh, strengthening that uh, that approach, but also it's about it's also about um, uh, encouraging multicultural uh, consumers to join um, and to be available to receive training and uh, to be, uh, you know, a, a meaningful voice uh, for for our communities. Um, so that's, I guess, that's one uh, one strategy that we in the district have, um, you know, have been in, involved in. Um, the, you know, in in terms of consumer engagement. Um, I guess one of the uh, one of the challenges that we have, and, and certainly uh, Una alluded to that, was the the sheer number of requests that we are getting for you know support of our staff in in providing you know patient journey support, um, and what we are missing in our district is is uh, you know additional resources for that. Uh, something like a multicultural liaison officer who is going to be able to um, provide services to the various teams where the high demand is, um, and uh, um, we, you know, we'd, we'd be very grateful if you know something like that were to um, eventuate um, in in the future. Um, well, any other? I think. For us, what I would like to see, because we do work with the with the patients, um, carers, as well as the health, health professionals, but we also work with community leaders on the other side. And what I would like to see is consumers like yourself come to our annual events, because we've got about seven or eight, to tell them a little bit more what a health consumer is, because hearing it from someone that is health consumer rather than us might encourage them. That sounds like a call to action for me as a consumer representative. Yes. <laughs> uh, and certainly I think the, the multicultural consumer reference group you talked about mm. uh, has recently been established. And I think from what we're, the activities we're talking about planning, mm. we're really trying to drive that. But I think it's also important for our listeners that if they do want to get involved, to liaise with, with Gudana and Yunus at the multicultural, yeah. multicultural mm. health service. Uh, and get involved because it is yeah. a personally rewarding experience to be part of your own healthcare mm -hmm. journey. Mm -hmm. 
Look, the other the other multicultural um, specific multicultural advisory group that consumer advisory group that we have is actually with with cancer care, and that was kind of as a, um, a, a kind of generated really from a from a funded project that we had through the cancer institute. So um, so this is a. Um, uh, specific CAL, specific consumer advisory committee. These are individuals from about eight different cultural backgrounds who who have had a previous cancer diagnosis and have um, are on the other side of it. So so they are speaking from a very personal uh, journey um, in this space and providing uh, that level of advice and support to the cancer care team now that is is is, that's wonderful so there's more of that kind of work probably Mm -hmm. that um that that should be happening certainly in terms of the um implementation plans for services that i mentioned earlier we are looking at um, having called consumers represented on these um, implementation plan uh, working groups. Uh, again, it's really a way of these specific individuals with lived experience to provide that level of um, advice um, and and support. Um, so, yeah, I guess there's a lot of work for us to do in this space. Um, um, but uh, but I think we have the right structure in place and uh, certainly lots of passion as as uh, as una indicated um and uh, we are so grateful to have uh, champions uh, like yourself um doing this work just one other thing that i just wanted to mention and that is research is another area in the district that really needs a lot of attention for our portfolio area and uh, it's good that we have um, we have some plans in in place actually to um to do some work in this space uh, looking at um, um cald involvement cald consumer involvement in clinical trials um and so this is an exciting piece of work that we are um, undertaking fairly shortly uh, but it is an area that is uh, that there's a huge gap so cald consumers by the nature of uh, simply being of a cal background and not being fluent in English, are excluded from participating in clinical trials, which is really very, very inequitable. You can imagine. So, um, so we are, uh, um, you know, looking at that area and, and hoping to make some progress in that area as well. So thanks, Gordana and Una, for your wonderful insights into consumer engagement in cold populations across the Nepean Blue Mountains local health district. Having an equitable health system that supports culturally and linguistically diverse healthcare needs is an important consideration in service planning, service delivery and policy development. And one of the key things that I took away from today is that multicultural health should and is everybody's business. Yes. Mm. So today you've been listening to an episode of Better Together, a healthcare podcast from the Nepean Blue Mountains region in New South Wales, Australia, where we discuss the ways in which patients and healthcare consumers are collaborating with healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, other health professionals, and administrative staff to help improve the health system and get better outcomes for patients in hospital 
and in the community. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Better Together. Please tune in again for more episodes on consumer engagement across the Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District. If you're interested in getting involved, please drop us a line at bettertogetherconsumerpodcast at gmail.com. The Better Together podcast is a consumer-driven initiative with help from staff across the Nepean Blue Mountains Local Health District. Catch you next time.